Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. That's right. It's the Wednesday edition of the Todd and Oz Show at 533. Yeah, you can jump in anytime you want. 512-836-0590. Use that same number to text us as well. We begin with the big stories. A scene of pure chaos unfolded last night inside the St. David's Medical Center emergency room after a car slammed through a wall. This car crashed into a hospital emergency room. It happened at the Austin Travis County Emergency Medical Services. The driver of the sedan is confirmed to be dead. At least five other Others are injured. Authorities are saying as of right now, it does not appear to be an intentional act. Video captured inside the emergency room shows some of the immediate aftermath as the car's wheels continue to spin. Meanwhile, Austin Travis County EMS Chief Robert Lukowitz, he says the total of six people were involved, including that driver. One individual was pronounced uh, deceased on the scene of the incident after being extricated from the vehicle by the Austin Fire Department. An additional four patients were transported to area hospitals. Two victims are children. One is in critical condition. And according to Austin police, this was not an intentional crash, although uh, they say it happened uh, and it's it's still uh, in investigation. It's still not fully clear as to what happened. The Republican-led House voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over what they claim is a failure to enforce border laws amid the crisis of high illegal immigration and allegations, well, he says, are baseless. The impeachment's not expected to get through the Democratic-led Senate, but the House vote to impeach marked the first time a cabinet official has been impeached since the 1870s. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. Republicans like Congresswoman Lauren Boebert celebrating the vote to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Who's endangered our country by deliberately handing over control of our southern border to the cartel. Now that's delivering for the American people, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Mayorkas has been under fire for the continued surge of illegal immigration at the southern border. A vote to impeach failed in the House last week, but the return of Congressman Steve Scalise to the House floor in another go this week led to the historic vote. Congressman Tim Burchett took to social media afterward. He lied under oath. He said our border is safe, and in fact it is not safe. It is a very dangerous place. There is little or any security there. The Department of Homeland Security maintains that the vote comes without what they describe as a shred of evidence and no constitutional grounds. The department released a statement saying House Republicans will be remembered by history for trampling on the Constitution for political gain rather than what it described as working to solve the serious challenges at our border. I'm Clayton Neville. Democrat President Joe Biden and a bipartisan group of lawmakers, including top U.S. Senate Republicans, well, Tuesday they urged the 
Republican-controlled House of Representatives to take up the $96 billion military aid package for Ukraine and other allies. President Biden is warning House Republicans of the stakes if they do not allow a vote on the emergency aid package the Senate has passed for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. This bipartisan bill sends a clear message to Ukrainians and to our partners and to our allies around the world. America can be trusted. America can be relied upon, and America stands up for freedom. We stand strong for our allies. We never bow down to anyone, and certainly not to Vladimir Putin. We can't walk away now. That's what Putin's betting on. The president says Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin must see that the U.S. stands with Ukraine and other allies. Supporting this bill is standing up to Putin. Opposing it is playing into Putin's hands. But the $95 billion bill faces a deeply uncertain future in the House, with hardline Trump-allied Republicans opposed. So I call on the Speaker to let the full House speak its mind and not allow a minority of most extreme voices in the House to block this bill even from being voted on. Even from being voted on. This is a critical act for the House to move. Speaker Mike Johnson has said it could be months before the bill gets to the president's desk, if at all. For Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. Ukraine backers hope the Senate's bipartisan support will put pressure on Johnson with the nearly two-year Russia-Ukraine war at a crucial point. And I urge Speaker Johnson to bring it to the floor immediately, immediately. There's no question that a Senate bill was put on the floor in the House of Representatives, it would pass. It would pass. And the Speaker knows that. Sagar Magani, Washington. It is 538. A new state law is being applied to a man currently in Williamson County Jail who's accused of selling a deadly dose of fentanyl in Leander. Mark Dillard is now charged with murder under a new state law, which Governor Greg Abbott signed into law last year. Officials say Dillard allegedly sold the pills that led to the September 21st death of a man on Snelling Drive. That's about three weeks after the new law took effect and allows drug dealers to be charged with murder if a person dies from a fentanyl overdose. The two former Williamson County deputies are a week away from standing trial on a manslaughter charge. Zach Camden and J.J. Johnson tased Javier Ambler following a 22-minute high-speed chase that ended in Austin. Ambler died and deputies were charged. Attorney Doug O'Connell tells CBS Austin the prosecution this week tried to add a new misdemeanor assault charge, which the judge denied. That tells you something. It tells you that they've finally gotten around to analyzing the evidence. They've identified their manslaughter evidence is weak. And they're scared. Now, on the night of Ambler's death, the sheriff's department, led by then-Sheriff Robert Chody, was filming an episode of the show Live PD. Chody and former assistant attorney Jason Nassour were later indicted for destroying, allegedly destroying, uh, that footage. Jury selection for Camden and Johnson. It begins, actually, next Tuesday. The migrant crisis continues to put some pressure on sanctuary cities across the nation. We have two reports on this. First, with newsman Bill Malusian. Chicago Public School says almost 6,000 new migrant students have enrolled in their district since the start of the new year. Preliminary data analyzed by Chalkbeat indicates that almost 7,000 more students have been identified as English language learners since the end of September. Now, this number can include both newly arrived migrant students as well as students already living in Chicago. In the meantime, residents in Lakewood, Colorado, 
packed into a city council meeting last night voicing their concerns about city leadership potentially helping sanctuary city Denver with its ongoing migrant crisis. The residents expressed worries about crime, taxes going towards migrants, and hospitals and other infrastructure being overwhelmed. The Lakewood City Council meeting went seven hours as folks who live in this Denver suburb told council members they don't trust that a planned 100-bed homeless facility won't ultimately end up housing migrants. The council ended up voting to accept a multi-million dollar state grant for a quote navigation center for the unhoused meant to help Lakewood's homeless with job training and addiction and mental health services. Denver's neighbors have watched the city grapple with an influx of migrants bust there from Texas. In January, Mayor Mike Johnston said the city became the largest recipient of migrants in the country per capita. More than 38,000 have arrived in little more than a year, adding pressure to the city's schools, hospitals, and budget. Fox reporter Alicia Acuna there reporting from Denver, Colorado. Meanwhile, Border Patrol officials are also raising concerns about an increase in crossings into the United States on the northern border from Canada. It is 541. Two passengers have been detained after a midair flight on a way on its way to Hawaii. Chaos breaking out on a Southwest Airlines flight from Oakland to the island of Kauai. Two male passengers coming to blows hours after takeoff. Viral video surfacing showing that physical altercation as other passengers and crew members tried to break up the fight at 35,000 feet. It's unclear what set off the fisticuffs, but the plane did not turn around. It continued on to Kauai, where the two men were met by marshals. It is unclear whether or not they were charged. Sue Guzman, Fox News. It is 5.50 here on the Todd and Oz Show. You can jump in at 512-836-0590. Credit card companies have a few more months to begin offering merchant codes that apply specifically to gun stores in one state to help track firearms purchases, while other states consider similar legislation. A California law says by May of next year, financial institutions have to supply merchant codes specific to firearms and ammunition to retailers so that credit card companies and banks can track gun purchases with the goal of stopping someone from committing a mass shooting if they buy a large amount in a short period of time. You're going to see more and more firearms enthusiasts and, and just general sporting goods enthusiasts using cash. Montana's Attorney General Austin Knutson, who talked to the Fox News Rundown podcast, is one of many Republicans wondering if this breaks any laws. This is not East Germany. This is America. We have a right to privacy in this country, and you can buy whatever you want as long as it's done legally. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Former Austin City Councilman Gregorio Casar is pushing a bill in Washington, D.C. that would strip Texas power grid away from ERCOT, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, and connect it to the national grid. The bill is called Connect the Grid Act, and Kassar, he has been not given many details about it, uh, but uh, well, it could change today when it's uh, made public. Kassar claims that uh, it would make electricity more reliable for the nation. ERCOT is withholding any comment on this proposal for now. It's likely to face intense pushback from state elected officials. And with a look at Wednesday business, here's reporter Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a sell-off for stocks yesterday. The Dow and the S&P 500 indexes each had their worst days in almost a year. There was a big response to a small miss on inflation, but investors took it to mean that inflation could be stubborn. 
and the Fed won't be cutting interest rates anytime soon. The Dow was down more than 500 points yesterday. The S&P 500 index fell 68. The Nasdaq was down 280 points. We've seen several months of much better than expected inflation data. We get one month that looks a little worse than expected. It's not the end of the world. But what it does do is cause that incremental doubt. Stickier inflation, stickier rates for longer. That's actually a, a, a riskier environment for the economy in the medium term than if we were seeing a clear slowdown now. New York Life's Lauren Goodwin on CNBC. There were companies yesterday whose shares hit all-time highs, like Walmart, Berkshire Hathaway B, Chubb Progressive Travelers, and Waste Management. Now, here's what happened with inflation in January. And by the way, there's the January effect. And some say that was in play because companies typically raise prices every January. Inflation came in hotter than expected. Consumer prices up three-tenths of a percent from December, and they were up 3.1 percent from January a year ago. The Fed's target is 2%. I don't think the Fed is going to be as freaked out about this number as perhaps the market is. If you look back, uh, we pulled a quote from Susan Collins uh, last week. Uh, she just says, look, this is, uh, we think it's going to come down and the road may well be bumpy. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. Well, we can all stop buying higher priced items at restaurants and at grocery stores. And to be sure, Many people already are. Coca-Cola reported mixed quarterly results yesterday. Of course, it said it raised prices in the quarter, and then it found it was selling less. Volumes were down. Packaged goods group is not a good group to be in. If they put through price increases, we see that the customer balks. By the way, McDonald's talked about price increases in the customer balking. Uh, there is a considerable group of people, they make 40000 to 100000 who right now are on the fence about spending and would rather make things at home. And at home is still cheaper, of course, than going out. CNBC's Mad Money host, Jim Cramer. On today's watch list, we get earnings from another packaged goods company, Kraft Heinz, plus Generac, Cisco Systems, TripAdvisor, and Occidental Petroleum. The New York Fed releases data on buy now, pay later, or pay in four loans. Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash workers planning a nationwide protest today. Yeah, those drivers for Lyft, Uber, and DoorDash are demanding better pay this Valentine's Day and are expected to go on strike here in Austin. Justice for app workers, a coalition representing more than 100,000 drivers for Lyft, Uber, and food delivery platform DoorDash says members will not be taking rides to and from airports today in cities including Austin, Chicago, Miami, and Philadelphia. With Rideshare Drivers United, an independent union for rideshare drivers in Los Angeles, also noting members will be turning off their apps today. The group's calling for fair wages, among other things, accusing platforms of taking high commissions. Uber says driver earnings remain strong. Lyft says it's made a series of new offers to increase pay, including saying it will guarantee weekly earnings for drivers. It's the first major strike since the two went public in 2019. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Yeah. Now, here are Todd and Oz. All right, thanks for joining us here on the Wednesday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. I'm Todd Jeffries. He's Patrick Osborne. Every day. Vandy, our producer, is here. And, uh, yeah, you can jump in whenever you want at 512-836-0590. You can call us. Uh, you can also text us. Use that very same number. Man, oh man, what a scene last night in the emergency room. St. David's North Medical Center. When a car crashes through the emergency room wall. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and that was it. It seems to be uh, nothing nefarious, just uh, a car that lost control and, and, and slammed through the emergency room wall. Uh, maybe a maybe a heart issue or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I think it's all mostly speculation. Sure. I mean, other than you know, Austin police saying this doesn't appear to be intentional. Don't really know. I mean, you know, that was a that was a pretty big wall. This car crashed through. Yeah, the video I saw it is so it goes smashes through the wall like a Kool Aid commercial. Right. Comes to a stop, but the wheels keep spinning. That indicates to me that. Well, the driver was killed and was unconscious, and the car is still just going, that sort of thing. And that's what I'm thinking probably happened. Yeah. One individual was pronounced uh, deceased on the scene of the incident after being extricated from the vehicle by the Austin Fire Department. An additional four patients were transported to area hospitals. Man, oh, man. Yeah, that was during the uh, the media briefing at St. David's North. And, uh, and, and, and well, one, one child is in critical condition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is another adult, I believe, I believe in Round Rock, taken to a hospital there, also in critical condition. Uh, I mean, this, this this was a terribly frightening scene. Of course, nobody expects this to happen. Yeah, there was there was quite a few people there in the in the waiting room. Yeah, in uh, the waiting this, room. This was recorded by somebody that was sitting there and just was able to record it. There were eight people being treated in the ER at the time. Yeah, and they all had to be moved to different facilities and things like that. But of course, the first thing you're going to think is, oh my gosh, somebody's you know trying to do something nefarious. Sure. Uh, but well, listen, it was uh, it was one of our hospitals. It wasn't this one not too long ago. That somebody parked their car in the parking garage and had explosives in it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think yeah. the guy was, what, from Cedar Park, Leander area, something so, like that? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, this incident uh, does not appear to be uh, an intentional act, uh, that according to uh, the police. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could jump in at 512-836-0590. I bet there's some people uh, uh, waking up from their uh, colonoscopies this very moment. <laughs> They're at St. David's <laughs> listening to us, right? Right. Well, you know it. Well, you know it. Well, I hope you're doing good. Listen, uh, state lawmakers, they voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas yesterday. Republicans claim Mayorkas failed to secure the border. Rice University political scientist Mark Jones says this is not about impeachable offenses. It's about policy and the 2024 elections. Policy differences in that the Republican Party does not agree with the Biden administration's approach to border security and immigration and the 2024 election campaign and that Republicans are fully aware that their best issue in this election cycle is immigration. He says that issue mobilizes the Republican base and it divides the Democratic Party. Yeah, it's 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 not the best issue, but it's definitely one of the best. It's it's one of the issues, right? There's there's many issues. Yeah, that the Republican Party is running on. Right now, this impeachment of Mayorkas, it it really doesn't change anything, and uh, and he's right about that. This is really a policy disagreement. Yeah, uh, he he's not leaving the job. And if anybody, and if he did leave the job, uh, Biden would just appoint someone that's going to follow the same policy. This is Biden policy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, you know, I, I, I keep wondering why there's nobody talking about looking at Biden for this impeachment stuff as opposed to just my orcas. Let me let me correct myself. It's it's not just Biden policy. It was a campaign promise that Biden ran on. This is Democrat voter policy. Yes. To have an open border. Yes. Yeah, it is. And, and has been for quite some time. And. Well, that was a campaign promise he kept. Yeah. But we still got some issues. Yeah, these, uh, these uh, you know, uh, various sanctuary cities, uh, they're really filling the pinch. Mm -hmm. They're starting to cut certain city services and libraries and parks and recreation apartments in Denver and Chicago and in a, in a variety of places. And they're desperately trying to figure out, you know, uh, 
you know, how to, how to take care of this. Just a handful of people that they have, uh, you know, illegal aliens that have shown up to their cities. Sure. Chicago Public School says almost 6,000 new migrant students have enrolled in their district since the start of the new year. Preliminary data analyzed by Chalkbeat indicates that almost 7,000 more students have been identified as English language learners since the end of September. Now, this number can include both newly arrived migrant students as well as students already living in Chicago. In the meantime, residents in Lakewood, Colorado packed into a city council meeting last night voicing their concerns about city leadership potentially helping sanctuary city Denver with its ongoing migrant crisis. The residents expressed worries about crime, taxes going towards migrants and hospitals and other infrastructure being overwhelmed. The Lakewood City Council meeting went seven hours as folks who live in this Denver suburb told council members they don't trust that a planned 100-bed homeless facility won't ultimately end up housing migrants. The council ended up voting to accept a multi-million dollar state grant for a quote navigation center for the unhoused meant to help Lakewood's homeless with job training and addiction and mental health services. Denver's neighbors have watched the city grapple with an influx of migrants bus there from Texas. In January, Mayor Mike Johnston said the city became the largest recipient of migrants in the country per capita. More than 38,000 have arrived in little more than a year, adding pressure to the city's schools, hospitals, and budget. That is Fox reporter Alicia Coonan in Colorado. And, and you know, this this is so infuriating to see the way these local governments in, the, in these sanctuary cities are dealing with this. Up in Boston, you had uh, recently, well, in Massachusetts, the governor, Mara, Mara Healy, there was, was, you know, floated the idea that, well, maybe you could take some of these illegal immigrants in your house. Right. And now there's a Boston councilwoman uh, who's ignited a firestorm of controversy, basically saying, uh, calling on wealthier suburbs outside of Boston mm. to do their duty, uh, their shared responsibility, take them in. Shared basically because responsibility. They, yeah, because she says they, these are affluent communities. They have the, the resources and financial wherewithal to lend the support in ways that we can't do in Boston, and you have a yeah. duty to take them all in. Shut the front door. This is where we're headed now. This, this is, won't be the last time. Boston won't be the last city you hear talking about something like this. Soon, probably over the summertime, you'll hear the, uh, the phrase critical immigration theory. Yeah. Well, you got the oppressors and the oppressed. Critical immigration theory. 633 here on the Todd and Oz Show. You can join us at 512-836-0590. House Republicans leading the impeachment inquiry against President Biden are demanding the Justice Department turn over transcripts and recordings of Biden's interviews with the special counsel Robert Herr in that investigation into Biden's mishandling of classified documents. Herr released a report to the public last week after months of investigating. It did not recommend criminal charges against Joe Biden for mishandling and retaining classified documents and stated that he wouldn't bring the charges against Joe Biden if he uh, if he were not in the Oval Office. Uh, the records included classified documents about the military and foreign policy in Afghanistan and some uh, some sensitive audio recordings uh, when he was talking with a, uh, a book writer. Uh, Hurt did not recommend any charges against the president and, uh, and well, he described him as a, a well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. Uh, a description that has uh, raised significant concerns about uh, his 2024 re-election campaign. And, uh, you know, you got so many talking heads. you got Kareem Jean-Pierre and, well, MSNBC and everybody coming out saying that her was was wrong to do that. Yeah. To cut, you know, to, to describe the old man that, that way, mm. you know, saying that well, he's completely wrong. That's bogus. He's sharp and all of that stuff. <laughs> and so 
They're say, and, and so now Republicans are saying, well, okay, let's see the transcripts, and uh, maybe you're right. And I, and I think they want to hear the audio, too. Absolutely. Of the tapes. Now, I, uh, the, uh, the Hill reported that Senate Democrats actually are extremely worried about Joe Biden's age, uh, but they, they discuss it privately. Apparently, it's, it's such a taboo topic. It's not even discussed at weekly caucus lunches or anything like that. But apparently, in private, a lot of Democrat senators uh, who apparently are just total cowards— who 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 won't you know won't come out and admit it, but are apparently yeah. very afraid because yeah. that's like their biggest concern about. Well, it. What they've been arguing is is that he, he's actually fit to stand trial. Yeah, that's what they're arguing, yeah. right? Sure. Uh, this came up during the uh, White House press briefing yesterday. Uh, committee chairs have sent a letter to the Attorney General asking for, for the release of the transcripts and recordings related to her's investigation. Given your insistence that the special counsel's characterizations of the president's demeanor uh, were inaccurate, are you eager for this material to be made public? Do you support their release? Well, look, and I just. I just want to be really clear, it's not just us. There was also a bipartisan voices and illegal illegal experts who have said it was wrong, flatly wrong, right? It was it was gratuitous, it was inappropriate how that was characterized in 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 uh, the special counsel. House Republicans wasted their time, our waste continue to waste their time, and they're not being serious to do their jobs. And following up on something that Mary asked and some others have asked as well, independent of whether House Republicans are asking for those transcripts. Why won't the White House commit to releasing even a redacted version of the transcripts if asked classified information? And I'm not saying that we're not committing. I'm saying that they're looking at it. I'm saying that they, meaning the White House Counsel's Office, is looking at it. Just, I just don't have anything to share with you at this Yeah, there you go. Don't have anything to share. Just uh, that sort of thing. A little nervous. You can hear it in her voice. Absolutely. Yeah, Monday, uh, House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer and House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Jason Smith, they wrote a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland to request, well, to turn over the transcripts and any recordings of Biden's October 2023 interview with her and the special counsel team. Yeah, the three committee leaders are, are leading this impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Well, it, it this is I, I just don't understand. I mean, obviously, this is a this is a party over country situation, period, because this this puts our entire nation at risk in so many different ways. When you have a guy who very clearly does not have all his facilities there throughout most of the day, probably he may yeah. have like little flashes of clarity. But you just see him when he's standing there. He his eyes are all squinted because he doesn't know what he's reading. He's just reading words. And then he starts rambling and and and. Nothing he says makes sense when he's top, talking off, off script. And it's very clear that they're doing this entire nation a disservice by keeping yeah. him in the running. It is uh, 637. Hang on a second. Got uh, got a couple of text messages coming in here. Let's see. Let's read this one. Uh, fresh off the presses in the texting machine here. All right. Let's make sure it's working. Always exciting. There it is right there. Oh, yeah, it's working. Uh, Texter says, "Well, when then uh, the alternative is uh, is is grabbing uh, is, is a grabbing perv with ninety one felony charges. Joe, Joe doesn't seem all that bad to the average American, does he? Uh, has Trump <laughs> even admitted uh, that he lost the election? Uh, yeah, that'll take seventy five percent mental Joe uh, versus a one hundred percent crook in Trump. That's what one texter wow. says. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, in, uh, in, in other words, to to sort of." I don't know. Uh, translate a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I, I, I love this dumpster fire yes. that this government that I bow down to and kneel at the altar of created yes. after Donald Trump. Yes. The, the uh, what does he call him? A perverted grabber. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, who actually had this country and this economy humming, and illegal immigration was at uh, significant lows, and and things were great. 
everybody was actually happy except for the ones who just intentionally went out to be miserable every day of their lives. And I'm guessing that might be you. The Hooties weren't sucker punching us years ago, were they? Nobody was. Yeah. Uh, 638, you can jump in at 512-836-0590. We were talking a few minutes ago about Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash uh, announcing a big strike today. They want better pay and better work, a better work environment, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're driving in your car. I mean, what? I mean, what? What more do you need? A, a better work environment. It's your car. Yeah, I mean, you that's co- cozy confines. Yeah, but they're uh, they're upset. So some will be on strike today. Uh, we've taken phone calls from from some already that say, "No, I'm not going on strike. Huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna make some money today." Uh, and you may have a problem getting to the airport via Uber and Lyft and some of the other ride sharing apps between eleven and one today. That's when they plan to, quote, refuse rides to the airport. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Keith is checking in from Colleen. Keith, good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I'm one of the original Uber drivers. I've been driving for over 10 years. Back when we had the iPhone 5s, we used to call them Uber phones. They call you an OG, hey, Keith. You're yeah, an- I guess OG, right? Yeah. Let me tell you, they've been trying to strike ever since the beginning. I mean, we had the forum, Uber driver forum online, and they they want to strike, and they say they're not getting paid enough in Chicago or D.C. And uh, like you said, you can rent a vehicle. Uber does have a program that you can rent a vehicle from, I think, Hearst, and it's $235 a week, and uh, you can use that vehicle to do Uber rides, right? Yeah. Yeah. That- so it's... But is that is that is that more economical, say, than using no. your own car? Because I mean, you're that's two hundred thirty five no, bucks. Put, you, you know, so you got yeah, you got you got that two thirty five cost plus fuel, right? You got yeah, gas. Sure, right? that's I mean that that and, amounts to about a thousand bucks a month. I mean, you could you could find a car for much less than that. Amount, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think. Right? Yeah. Thanks, Keith. Six forty-seven here on the Todd and Oz Show. Jump in at 512-836-0590. The National MS Society has been around for decades. They've right? done some great work. They've done some great work, yeah. of course. Well, they're in the news and kind of got a black eye this morning. The National MS Society makes a 90-year-old volunteer step down because she wasn't inclusive enough. Her crime was asking, what are pronouns, after she was required to start using them. She's um, been a volunteer with the uh, National MS. Fran is her name. Fran, she's a lovely lady, and she's been a volunteer for more than 60 years. Her husband died of MS, and so she made a commitment to help the organization, and, well, now they've, uh, now they've kicked her out. After two-thirds of her life, she after, gave them. After two-thirds of her life. Yeah, her whole and, life. And they couldn't just explain what pronouns are Seems and like then go on about fix. their day. Right? Seems like a very simple fix. Here's Fran and her daughter. Confused. I didn't know what it was, what it meant. Uh, and I'd seen it on a couple of uh, letters that had come in after the person's name. They had the pronouns, but I didn't know what that meant. And so finally, I, when I was talking to her, I thought, I'll f- ask, what does it mean? And, uh, you know, let her tell me. And so she said it meant that they were inclu- all inclusive, which didn't make sense to me because it, it sounds like you're, by labeling or labeling uh, for females and not males, if you're just putting in she, her. She uh, said that she was just asking her what it meant to have a conversation. So as a 90-year-old who didn't know what it meant, you know, she's not street savvy <laughs> to find out what it meant. Yeah. And when she said that they were required to use it to be inclusive, and my mom was 
saying that we've always been the MS Society as a whole and the Long Beach yeah, group. Yeah, group has just always been inclusive. A few days later, uh, it was on a Friday at was it four fifty eight? At four fifty eight, which we thought was odd, but anyway, at the end of the day, end of the week, I got an email from her saying that uh, they were sorry, but they had to ask me to step down as a volunteer for the MS Society. And the reason being is that you're not inclusive enough. The verbiage she said was, was that she didn't abide by their diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they have to ask her to step down and she can't be a part of the MS Society as a, as a volunteer, as which a to volunteer. me is ironic because they're saying they're being inclusive, but yet they're excluding a 90-year-old disabled woman who volunteers for over 60 years. Yeah, there you go. Fran and her daughter, Kathy, there. Uh, what a horrible story. That's infuriating. What a what mean thing is. to do to this lady. Uh, you know, we, we've reached such a, a, a fever pitch of alphabet tyranny in this nation. I mean, really, there was a time legitimately when the gay, uh, the LGBT, what, you know, uh, QIA community, as they are called now, was oppressed and rejected and very vulnerable. But today, it's, I would say they are the most protected class on the planet. The group most capable of determining now which opinions are and are not allowed to be shared in public. It's 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 tyrannical that we yes. even allow this ridiculous ideology to take mainstream hold, which it has. And then you have 90-year-old volunteers who spent 60 of those 90 years volunteering at the M National MS Society toss away because you didn't use you, – you asked questions about pronouns and didn't want to use them. This is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That wokeism is just a cancer in our culture. Yeah, I, I think it really genuinely is is by design. You know, it, you you inject that wokeism into any sort of topic, and it eats it alive from the inside like a cancer. Has the uh, National MS Society have they responded? Have they said no. anything? Because this has been out for a few days. They are uh, they 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 continue to be skewered on on uh, social media on on Twitter. Every time they they tweet something out. They, that all the only responses they get are you know when are you going to apologize for what you did? Does she have a, a lawsuit? I mean, she's a volunteer. If she was an employee, probably does have a lawsuit. But a volunteer, I'm not sure. I mean, it is it 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 feels like a, a certain level of discrimination. It it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's basically it's, you're 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 only allowed to work here if you have this this very specific way of thinking. And if, and any deviation from that, well, you're you're just a bad person. I mean, that's that's the narrative, right? Mm. You're a mean old transphobe, whatever, you know, they throw out. Well, uh, Fran should have responded by saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to use someone's pronouns for the same reason I don't talk to schizophrenic imaginary friends. Be great. You know what I mean? Yeah. She sounded sharp, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sounded, she sounded like she knew what she was doing. She sounded like she had uh, a good awareness of what's going on around her. She, she sounded she sounded uh, sharper than the president. Oh, gosh. <laughs> by, by leaps and bounds. Come on. Absolutely. You know, but I, I also, something about her her tone, her demeanor in that little interview there tells me that she's, you know, I, I think she's genuinely heartbroken by the fact that, that something she's given so many years to, she can no longer do. But she doesn't strike me as the kind of gal who probably has any interest of, of trying to fight back. Uh, in any sort of legal means, if there was any avenue she could take to begin with, yeah, um, it's just it's just like you know, ninety years old, sixty of those ninety years she gave, she didn't, she wasn't getting paid, right? She gave them sixty years. She did, gave it to them, and she probably she probably has individually probably helped raise a ton of money for that group, 
She's probably built some incredible relationships uh, in the MS community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I would think so, right? A lot of people are coming to her defense on uh, on social media, on X, uh, saying that this is crazy. Wokeism is a cancer. Uh, this woke culture destroys everything it touches. Uh, here's one, Corentina. Here's what she says. Uh, MS Society, you just lost a longtime donor. Fran didn't deserve your obnoxious and probably illegal response. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a real shame because I, I do expect this to, at least for time, the time being, send donations and uh, to the MS Society, probably downward a little bit. And it's that's the unfortunate. people with MS who would ultimately suffer for that. That's unfortunate, yeah. So wokeism, even stretching its, its filthy tentacles even farther out. Yeah. What, what a generous lady, though. Yeah. Donating 60 years of her t- of her life. Two-thirds of her entire Just helping other people. Life. Just helping other people. Yep. And, yep. Then, and then loses this volunteer position that she cherished. It got her up every day, right? Yeah. Kept her busy every day. Well, and, you know, and she started, the whole reason she started doing this is because her beloved husband died from MS. Yeah. So she volunteered the rest of her life to try to help so others didn't have to go through what she did. And now she can no longer be a part of it. The way she sounds, she sounds like she's got a lot of mileage left, too. Yeah, you maybe know? so. She, she probably absolutely. could have helped them for another 10 years. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. She's, uh, she's dedicated so much, she's got more time there, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Well, maybe she'll find a different organization. Or maybe they'll change their tune and apologize. I think that's all. Uh, that's what a lot of people just want to come out and just say, listen, we made a mistake and, and we apologize. We'd like Fran to come back. We'll work this out. The Todd and Oz Show, weekday mornings 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.